Hey, if you love television, you'd love our TV podcast and the Ringer Podcast Network, the Reality TV Pod. We have people like Johnny Bananas and Tyson from Survivor on there, breaking down the challenge, Survivor, Great British Bake Off, whatever that show is called, The Bachelor, a whole bunch more. And then the Prestige TV Podcast, we've been diving in Succession. Sex Education is going to be coming last week. House and I did a Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, episode one. I think we're going to do it again for episode two, too. Check out both of those podcasts, the Reality TV Pod and the Prestige TV Pod from The Ringer Podcast Network. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what, what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/bs. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook as well as the Ringer Podcast Network. Hope you checked out the rewatchables this week. We did Halloween. Finally did it. It happened. Me and Chris Ryan broke it down. Uh every thought I've ever had about one of my favorite movies of all time. So, that's happening. Not sure what we're doing next week. Stay tuned. There's, there's been rumors of me and Van Lathan doing a kidnapping movie. I won't tell you which one. You can guess. But um, yeah, so listen to the rewatchables. Listen to the Prestige TV podcast where House and I, we might just do every Curb Your Enthusiasm episode as a recap this season on Mondays. Stay tuned for that. And uh, check out our basketball pods. Our basketball pods are crushing it. Football pods crushing it. The Ringer Podcast Network. Humming on all cylinders right now. Coming up, going to talk to Kyle Mann about some NBA stuff and then Peter Schrager, Million Dollar Picks, Tom Brady's MVP candidacy, and a whole bunch more. But first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Jake Kyle Mann is here from The Ringer. He does incredible videos for us. He pops on our podcast from time to time, and he's here to talk NBA. Biggest overreaction through nine days. Now, we're taping this. It is Thursday afternoon Pacific time, so the Thursday games have not happened yet. I'm going to give you my biggest overreaction first. I believe in the Cavaliers. <laughs> I, I said this on Tuesday with Justin Terminate. Then I watched them against the Clippers last night, and I'm like, Sometimes you're just kind of ready to be a 500 team. I think they're a 500 team, at least, because uh, 
Mobley seems like he's in year three, even though he's five games in. He really looks like it's like, oh, it's his third year. It's like how KG in his third Timberwolves year. It's like, oh, he gets it. Um, and then I just like their team. I like their guys. I think they're malleable. They can go big. They can go small. They can protect the rim. And they play hard. And they seem locked in. So that is my number one overreaction. The Cavs are three and two. And I actually think it's real. What is your uh, take on that first? I was literally going to bring this up to you. So it's funny that you said this. And I uh, I agree. Uh, the Cavs, they, they're just a different team because Mobley... Um, he makes their their existing pieces make sense. He's sort of uh, I, w- I was talking with somebody about this that he has a way of being sort of like a, a defensive floor raiser in the same way that like if you get a LeBron or you get a Luca or you get somebody that can really create their own offense, um, you know, and, and pass the ball like or a Jokic, they can make all your existing players better. Mobley, you know, I hated the the Sexton Garland thing. I wasn't on board with that when they were talking about drafting him. I was just like, what are you guys thinking? But if you get a Mobley out there, Mobley is such an umbrella for their defense at back behind everything. And he is so disruptive inside the arc of the three-point line uh, that you can play lineups like uh, they don't they don't heavily have to have a coro out there as much. I mean, a is a luxury to have as a young player, but um he, you know, you can play Markin in some out there. You can just you can he he allows you to have some more lineup flexibility offensively. Like I, I 100% agree. The Cavs are interesting. They're an interesting team now. Yeah. Lineup flexibility and, and flexibility with guys who kind of suck on defense, as you pointed out that he can cover up. He reminds me the most of Kevin Garnett of any guy that's coming in the league mentality, personality, all that stuff. I'm not saying that I'm just saying the way he moves, how fluid he is, how easy it is for him to be in the right spots all the time. Um, he just looks like one of those guys. There's certain guys that come into the league and physically they just make sense where you just go, oh, for that guy to get hurt, he's going to have to like land on a cameraman or something. Like every, even just watching him run down the floor, he's just fluid. It's easy. And everything comes so naturally to him. The stuff he's doing defensively, Davis came into the league, uh, I think that was nine years ago at this point. He came into the league, he was on a terrible team. You're but saying all some, the names. These are all the names. Yeah, yeah, the, but, yeah. But this is the this is the stratosphere he's in. Davis came in. He could get there. I don't think he's as consi- he was back then as consistent as this guy is. This guy, I've watched a lot of the Cavs these first five games. This guy is always in the right spots. And this is why we liked him in college so much. This is why Charks and I, I can't remember. Where did you stand? You you had somebody over him, right? For number one. I, I had Cade number one. Cade is in this funny position now where, and what a nice, this is a great rookie class because we're in this position yeah. now where it's just like, they're legitimate arguments. Like Scotty Barnes has been incredible. I mean, mm. Suggs, not so much. We could talk about that. But I mean, Mobley, I was high on him. Um, I mean, very high on him. Charks, I'll give him a lot of credit. He was early on, he used the word special pretty much immediately. He was, you know, and I had some kind of questions about him. I was like, what is he offensively? He doesn't that that's the beauty of this is that like he can kind of he has time to figure the offensive stuff out because he's a good finisher. He has some similarities to Davis. Uh obviously I watched a lot of Davis being a Kentucky guy. I mean, right. Dave, Davis early on was kind of had that baby deer thing going on where around the basket he was physically compromised a lot. He's always kind of shooting, leaning back and things like that like guys can get in his space, but he has great touch and just 
really great balance and he's clever defensively. Like, did you did you see like the first half of that Clippers game? Yeah, I watched doing? the whole game. I, I had four TVs going, but I I had it on and it, it's just really easy for him. And that's why that when I bring the KG thing up, people I think remember Boston KG because Minnesota KG wasn't on that much. We had less games back then. I think less people had league pass. When KG was at his absolute apex, he just wasn't on TV that much and we didn't have the same infrastructure. And by the time he got to Boston, I don't think athletically he was the same as he was early 2000s KG when he was just, he just fixed every issue your team had on that side. That's what the Mobley thing reminds me of. You talked about the offense too, like KG's second year in Minnesota. So he was the same age as Mobley at this point. He was 20. And he was 17 and eight offensively. 50% field goal. Didn't shoot any threes. 3.5 free throw attempts. So by the time we got into the mid-2000s, that's up to like almost seven. And I think that's where Mobley's going to net out. I think he's going to be like a 15 and eight guy offensively. But what's really, really, really fun about him on the offensive side, I think KG has this, had this too from the get-go, is He's a really smart, like, creator. Like, have you noticed some of the passes he makes, like, from the high post or, like, little handoff passes or even his entry passes? Like, he'll he'll be... There are a couple times already this season he's been on, like, near the three-point line and Love's been posting up, and he'll throw Love, like, a really nice entry pass. So that part's been a pleasant surprise for me because I couldn't get a feel for that watching all the footage of him at USC. The defense was so obvious at USC that he was special, but Mm -hmm. the... The offensive ingenuity, I, I, I'm delighted by. Yeah, he, in college, it was a little tricky to gauge. And this happens with guys where you kind of had to read between the lines. Like the spacing wasn't terrific at USC. Sometimes you'll have these bigs that play with guards who have no clue who they are, basically. And it just can be really inefficient and ugly. But he, he's a great high post passer, like you were saying. I, I really think that there's a lot, a lot of upside with that. He kind of has a similar kind of high release point like Garnett does. And he, and I'm sure he's not going to take those 18-footers. But, I mean, he has range out to three. Um, I, I don't have a problem with him shooting threes at all. Um, me neither. I, he, he, it, it was just amazing to me that he dis, he totally disrupted for a few minutes. I mean, mainly, a lot of the game, honestly, uh, a multi-round playoff team last night. I mean, that was, that was a team. I mean, they're missing Kawhi, but those were dudes out there. And, like, mostly... Right. Paul George got to the rim a couple times and you could just see him. He got all the way to the square and he he was just like, what the hell is this? Like he was just, he's like a more coordinated kind of version of Bamba or something. And it's like, uh, and I think what we're seeing, the reason these guys are so valuable, like they automatically like add a win total. Like they just change the quality of your team. If you, This guy is like already a playoff. Maybe I don't want to commit to that, but he's like. No, near, I'm committed to it. No, I think near, he's a playoff guy already. He's a near playoff anchor, or he's already there. And, like, I just think that he, he's going to cause a lot of problems. And, and I, th- I think we saw it in the last two finals that, you know, the moment Giannis goes to the five, the Bucks become this just unstoppable machine. The Lakers, when they move Davis to the five. And the commonality there, I think, that Mobley fits this template is that, like, you got to have sort of that balance. All three of those guys have that balance and the length so that they can switch pick and rolls or, you know, switch actions. But they also can drop. So that, like, you know, it's harder for Chris Paul or Devin Booker to get those easy mid-range shots, like, because he can do both and still bother them and be effective. It's not a one or the other kind of thing. The reason I thought he should go first, and I'm going to take a victory lap because I think if we do the draft (laughs) over again, he should go first. And he should just go first going forward unless he gets hurt. Um, I think it's just so hard to find somebody like this 
there's great guards every year in the draft and it's the deepest position we have in the league. And if you can't draft one, you can possibly trade for one or you could possibly sign one as a free agent. Like they're, they're available. And for me, the thing with Cade, which I kept asking every time I talked to people smarter than me about the draft stuff, is like, does he have a chance to make multiple, multiple NBA teams? Does he have a chance to be one of the top 10 players in the league? With Mobley, this is somebody every team is dying to have because not only can you go bigger with him, which they do with Jared Allen, but he can also be your small ball five and you don't lose anything. And we saw with Aiton last year for the first couple of rounds, when you have a big who has the ability to be able to swallow up anybody if he gets switched onto a guard and also protect the rim, that is like the hardest thing you can find in the league. And, and Aiton finally got exposed by Giannis, who just went to another level athletically in the finals. But for the most yeah. part, that's why I would max out Aiton right now. I, I don't, three guys in the league can do that. So the fact that they already have one right away, they have some good veterans, you know, like, Rubio's an above average veteran to have. So's Love. Love actually looks engaged. Markinen will come in and he'll actually have a four minute stretch where he'll make some baskets. And, and then they have that Sexton Garland wildcard thing. I like that team. I got to say, I think I like that team more than the Boston team right now after watching this terrible Boston team for five games that the guys just don't even seem like they've met each other. <laughs> I was going to ask you if it, which, which one you would pick between those two. I mean, I think it's absolutely true that like, and then you all you just open up a whole world of possibilities. Like we're early on in it. Like you think about those two small, like scoring-minded guards in like Sexton and, and and I've I've had my issues with Sexton in the past, but like Me too. he um he just makes a lot more sense when when you balance him against that type of a player. Like Mobley Mobley is really special. And well, you know I, what I was I, thinking? If you know Dame they looked they looked okay yesterday, but I think if they had lost to the Grizzlies yesterday, the Dame trade stuff would have would have started up like, you know, the Dame situations where if he goes to the Knicks, they have to give up all these people to get him. If he goes to Philly, there's really no roadmap for that to happen. And you go, go through the league. It's just hard to find the right trade. And just fundamentally it won't happen. But if I'm Dame and it's like, wow, I could just attach myself to Mobley. <laughs> and this is why it's both an overreaction. But at the same time, I really believe it. Like, I really feel like this guy has KG potential. Like I, I'm, I don't take that. I don't say that lightly. It's not a hot take. I watched KG. I was there the whole time. Um, I think this guy has the potential. I don't know if he has the fuck you mentality KG had, but I haven't seen him take a playoff in any game I've watched with the Cavs. He's in the right spots all the time. His teammates are galvanized by what he's doing on both yeah. ends. Like they really, you can tell his teammates think he's special. And, uh, and I think it's a really important thing. We, we've seen good wing guys come in. We have really not seen something like this since when Davis came in, right? Who was the last impact four slash five who could come in right away and was ready? That's that's going to give you something on both ends. I mean, it's a very short list. Uh, I was I was looking up some of the. Um, I actually got the tip on this from Charks, uh, like that. It's it's a it's a list of people. You get into like uh, sometimes you get into like these comps that I. I almost feel like I have to like do the rosary before I'm not even Catholic, yeah. but before I start to bring them up, you're just like, is this, am I being outrageous? It's, it's in that stratosphere of like defensive player of the year territory. And I, and I, and what's crazy yeah. is I think there are two guys in this draft that have a potential to be first team all defense. Like I, Scotty, Scotty has been Scott incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to be hard for him to win the, the player of the year probably because 
uh, Mobley is just going to be in such a good position to do. I know we're going wild here. I mean, it's it's early, but he's, I mean, he was like blocking dunks at the apex. And another thing I would say too, this is a thing that people underrate. You know, the, the mentality, like you said, was correct about like, you know, Garnett's motor, mental motor is really big, physical motor, mental motor. Mobley has something that a lot of those guys have too, in that he's he's defensively ambidextrous. We talk a lot about like mm. passers being ambidextrous. You watch him, he can block with either hand. He can deflect balls. He also has really accurate hands. Like you see him dig on balls and he's so skinny that uh, he can avoid fouling. Like he's not just like wildly swatting. And that was something that like Jaron Jackson Jr. was a guy that I think we kind of thought was going to be this. It hasn't kind of come along because he's so foul prone. Mobley has a different sort of coordination on that level uh, defensively. He's special. Davis's first year, he was 13 and a half and eight. Duncan, we can't compare because Duncan was a finished product when he came in the league. He had four years in college. But if you're just talking about the guys that are coming in after one year in college who are bigs, he's as advanced as anybody we've seen. I, we I, I'm word, actually kind of stunned by how advanced he is. Dare we say the word Akeem? Would it be blasphemous? Am I going to get struck by lightning if I bring that name yeah, up? Yeah, but even just, Hakeem you, was in college for a few years, though. And yeah, they're different players. I, I don't think... Defensively, I just mean... Strictly. Yeah, no, de- well, so. Akeem is a great example of somebody who, as the years pass, things just kind of get lost. He was an absolute athletic freak the first couple years when he came in. There's this sequence you can watch in the clinching Celtics game when they beat Houston to win the finals in 86. There's a sequence when Hakeem just takes over the game in the second quarter for like three minutes. I think he strips Walton three straight times. He just, uh, it's all of a sudden, it looks like he came from another planet. And you know, Mo. I don't know if Mobley's like that. He, he again. He reminds me more of the KG. But this is the kind of territory we're talking about. It is completely improbable for a tall guy to come into the league with one year of college under his belt and be as good defensively and as an all-around player as this guy is already. It's yeah. he, as I said at the top. It feels like he's in year three already, and that's why um you know we spent fifteen minutes on it. What's your <laughs> What's your uh, what's your biggest overreaction after nine days or so? Uh, if if I have to think of another one, yeah, that was that's that's a big one for me. I mean, the Suggs thing is troubling. I know we're kind of on mm. the rookie thing here, uh, just from talking to some people. Um, and I he had a bad training camp too, right? It's not like this was just the games. This is like this has been pretty from the get go that there was concerns. Yeah, you 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 want to take it slow. I mean, it's kind of it's early and it's probably kind of mounting up on him. This is probably the first time in his in literally he's been a dominant athlete. A lot of these guys are, but I mean, he was he was always physically dominant in a way uh where I think that his like change of change of pace and like his kind of his his ability to sort of go between his gears. And we see this with rookie point guards a ton, you know, but he he's looked a little like physically he's looked small. I don't want to say he looks tiny. It's just like he has been playing in a way, like he's been acting surprised by the length and the speed of the NBA, which surprised me a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I was going to say he looks small and like a kind of a half second late. Yeah. Which right? could be he's in his head, you know, a little bit there, too. I mean, I'm not out on him. He's a sharp kid and he's, he's a great athlete. And I think it'll come along. But I kind of expected him to sort of impose his personality on this Magic team pretty quickly. Um, but he's he's been kind of a question mark so far. Well, you know, it's been surprising. Cole Anthony has been alpha doggy in some of these games. I don't know how much magic you've watched, but he, uh, yeah, he seems like the, 
the driving force of that team and on both ends too. Like he takes these, he's one of those guys, he takes the charge and he's lying on the ground doing like the Braveheart double <laughs> fist pump. And so maybe Suggs didn't expect that either that I think Cole Anthony looked at it like, well, this is my team. And you're like, all right, settle down, Cole Anthony. But the way he's played the first five games, he's carried himself that way. I look, I think of this as, and this happens sometimes with the draft, which is like Mobley goes in the perfect spot. He's got Allen next to him. He's got Kevin Love. He's got Markin in. So there, there's a buffer if he doesn't play well in any given game, not that we've had it yet. Um, guys who can score, it's just, it's the right team for him. Barnes goes to the right team, right? It's a Toronto team that doesn't necessarily care what they're doing. They want him to be the point guard. They have perimeter guys that can play off him. So the ball's in his hands and he's and he's playing with like that infectious enthusiasm. And then defensively, he can guard any perimeter player you have. Perfect for him. If he goes to Orlando, maybe not the same. If Suggs goes to Toronto, better situation. Yeah. Better, better veteran team to kind of go into. He has the ball more. So I just think the way it worked out for Barnes was great. Cause I on that Orlando team, which is so bizarre. How many centers do they have? Seven? <laughs> Something like that. It's like bit, yeah, it's like a an, an airline at this point. They have so much wingspan on that team. But I, I think that it it was a we talked about this going up to the draft that it was a tough situation for Orlando because they were just kind of squeezed into making this decision. And over and over again, like historically, I don't know when we're gonna learn, but it's like whenever you make like the consensus decision, I don't know. It's like just take the best player, man. Maybe they thought that I'm sure they thought Suggs was the guy, but they were just kind of in a fit situation that didn't. Who really do you think they wanted to take? Uh, I mean, I think they wanted Suggs at their spot. I mean, I'm sure they ah, would have taken the. Guys I'm okay above. with it too. I I think he was. I don't think he was the wrong pick. I I will say, I've been surprised by how much I've enjoyed Giddy. Oh baby, yeah, Giddy's your type of dude for sure. You know, he's, we've he's seen got- we've seen the Giddy types have tantalized the NBA community and a lot of times they don't work out. You know, it's like that, yeah. that kind of Chase Buttinger, Rudy Fernandez, that these just great athletes that it just, everything seems so fluid and natural. Good passer, seems fun to play with. Neither but of I those do guys think he have has the a little, feel. Yeah, I think he has a different feel than those guys did. I'm with you. Oh, Ty- Tyler Parker, I was texting him. He is just like beside himself with joy. Like if you think about like the way the draft went for them, okay, see mm. guy for anybody that know. Uh, just, He's, uh, pardon the pun, giddy. But, like, if you watch, some, he's just a really advanced passer. Like, uh, even even further along than I thought. KOC was giving him, was was a little higher on him than I was. I was, my cynicism about his shooting. Now, uh, these things, I think he'll run into this eventually. Like, he's not like a, like a negative, like, do not shoot the ball type of guy. But he, he's just not really a movement shooter yet. Like, it's it's coming along. But, man, he is, he is a gifted playmaker. And him and Shea next to each other are just funky. Like they're just a fun in a good way. Comp- yeah. And in a way that's great. Yeah. They have three players I like, and you could throw away the rest of the team, including Poco, <laughs> who last night played seven <laughs> minutes because they knew people were going to actually watch a Lakers Thunder game. So they, they nudged him out. But, uh, Poor but Poco. Dort, Dort, SGA and Giddy is fine. And I know they're going to throw away this season too, but, um, I hope they don't waste too many SGA years, but I, I, uh, I like Giddy. I think he's Do- all right. I, do you like the Raptors? There's going to be nights when they score like 68 points. <laughs> I like but, the team, man. I just go down their roster. I'm like, I like that guy. I like that guy. I like that guy. And they just, they play hard. I mean, uh, they just, they all seem kind of bought in. And like you were saying, Barnes just fits their personality really well. 
it's just uh, it's it's a scrap. It's a team that I like wouldn't want to play late in the year because I just feel like they're going to put it together and be they they just don't stop. They're going to be like the Knicks were last year if they, if they get, if you get in because it's so competitive. But like they'll take a bite out of you. They they're that type of team. Yeah, I was just going to make that point. That's a team, and I didn't even think end of the year. I think that's the team when they're on your schedule. If you're the other team. You're just like, ah, fuck these guys. These guys are a pain <laughs> in the ass to play. They're just hard to play. They have, they're, they're switching on everything. They have great athletes. Um, everybody's super aggro. And, you know, even somebody like Van Vliet, Van Vliet's fucking annoying to play. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like you switch on him, your big's on him. He's 27 feet from the basket. And you're like, oh, this is great. There's only, and then all of a sudden he make, he's making a 27 footer. I can't stand going against Van Vliet. He's so frustrating. I'm with you. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about the Ball Brothers. Oh, baby. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, the Ball Brothers. This was a lot more fun of a topic before LaMelo just shit the bed in his last game. And um, I'm just, I'm going to come out of the gate with this point. LaMelo, his first step is actually incredible. And if he goes, he went through the last game they played, he had zero free throws. They won. For him not to have six free throws in a game is just such an abomination to me because like, so they go against the Celtics Monday night. Charlotte has a big lead and LaMelo decides he's in New Zealand and just starts shooting 30 footers. He made one, which was like the worst thing that could happen to him. Now all of a sudden he's just shooting 30 footers and I'm watching going, this is great. Please keep shooting those because <laughs> every time you go to the basket, you get whatever you want. You get, you can get a layup at the basket you can get fouled or you can kick out to a wide open three-point shooter. So please keep firing up these 30-footers. So he's this frustrating combo of like just incredibly talented. One of my biggest misses I've had in the draft in the last 20 years. Like just completely missed it. But yet I'm also frustrated by almost like by the game who, who his identity is in the game because there's certain games where you're like, oh, he gets it. This is unbelievable. I can't believe the Warriors didn't take him. And then there's other games where you go, I understand why the Warriors didn't take him. So I thought there was two days ago, I thought maybe he makes all NBA this year. Then you watched the game the other day with seven points, no free throw attempts. Like, oh, he's definitely not making the NBA. What are, uh, give us, give us your LaMelo takes. You, you mentioned something that I, I looked up specifically, like the, the foul drawing is kind of, it's kind of appalling. Like before that, that Orlando game, 55 players were averaging 15 or more field goal attempts per game. LaMelo was tied for third fewest free throws among those guys. I'd imagine that number went down. So like it, it got even worse. That, well, for this, for this season, he's 1.4. So he's, he shot seven free throws in five games, which if you watch him, it's like, dude, nobody can stay in front of you. What are you doing? 
he gets a little. Uh, I I have a term that I made up, and I, I, this this seems like something you you might approve of or disapprove of. But guys like him that that sort of he plays like this kind of like above the fray style. Jamal Murray was like this until he shifted and started playing more physical. I call them tuxedo scorers, like guys that like like to keep their suit clean when they play like they, mm. they don't really want to get in he doesn't play like that like get in and sort of get his nose dirty like so and that's a big thing for him if you watch him playing going to the basket i mean he's insanely creative like he he does these weird statue of liberty floaters over bigs where i'm just like what the hell like and he can make them uh but a lot of times it, he he plays sort of like if you watch non-physical drivers going to the rim he gets his direction changed pretty easily. And he also doesn't fight back. Like he's a guy who just kind of is going to work around and he just kind of has a slight frame. Like you, like the thing you said about like the big thing for him is his start stop ability is crazy. Like once he gets somebody on the hook, he is so good at shifting his weight with his dribble and like so creative that he can get in the rim. But the problem is that like he's played his entire life the talent was there and recognizable, but the problem is that he's played his entire life with like no repercussions for his decisions. So for him, to well, now learn, now he's in Charlotte where he's the golden boy, so he's not. There's gonna be no repercussions either. He's he can have a game like he had the other night, and they're just so happy he's on the team. They're not gonna give him shit. But Borrego sits him like Borrego sat him in the fourth quarter of that game because like did you see? Did you get to see much of the fourth quarter of that game? Yeah. Like what? So he comes down in transition. And they're trying to fight back. Like, they're they're playing okay. You know, Orlando's playing all right. They're trying to fight back. And he just shoots, like, a trans... It was like a two-on-one. And he shot, like, a transition 28-footer. And Miles Bridges literally threw his hands in the air. It was just like, what the hell are you doing? And that's the problem with him. It's just, like, he has all the courage. He has that fearlessness that you want. But his calibration of, like, time and situation, it's a work in progress. I mean, and... Yeah, so it's just coming along. Well, I think part of the problem with him... Yeah, and he got benched in that game, but it wasn't a big deal, and he's not a big enough star for it to be a big deal. But he's already getting all these wins from TikTok and Instagram and Twitter because he'll have a couple plays during the game, and it's like, all right, he he won Twitter again. And then he's putting up stats and at least a few of these things, and he's looked great at times. So it's almost like he's he's got enough of a win, but it's like, I actually think the guy has a chance to be a, a legitimately great offensive player. Yeah. And he's tapping into, from what I've seen, and I watched the whole Celtic game. I saw, I don't know how, how the Orlando game was on with other games, but I, it was on my TVs. But I, I just, I feel like he almost needs like a life advisor for like, hey dude, here's what's at stake for you. Like you, nobody can stay in front of you. You're the best passer probably in the league other than Jokic, right? Probably. Just in terms of creativity, um, you have 30 foot range. Other teams, their scouting report says, just let him fucking chuck it from, from 30. Don't let him start going to the basket. And you have these dudes on your team like Miles Bridges who want to run with you. And you know, you have the right kind of team. I, uh, such a frustrating, I feel like it's sitting there. You could see the recipe. Like he, he bought all the ingredients at the store. It's on the counter. And now he's just kind of staring at the ingredients. And I don't think he knows what to make. It's, 
it's a thing where, I mean, uh, there was a point in that Celtics game where he was kind of embarrassing them a little bit with like how, how easily he was navigating their defense and creating. And you could tell Marcus Smart eventually was just like, all right, enough. And, but it's like every really skilled player like that, if they're like humiliating a team, it's like a lot of different stars have gone through this. Steph went through this when the Spurs were just like body checking him off of every screen away from the ball. You know, LeBron went through this. Uh, it it just kind of goes on and on and on. It, it, that's kind of what teams start to try to do with you. I think that he's going to have to figure out how to play. Even Trey had to navigate some of this. Now, Trey, Trey's actually kind of similar to LaMelo in that fearlessness, that creativity. But dude, LaMelo threw, I texted you about this, like LaMelo threw, he was driving left and he was on the left side of the lane. He went in the air like he was going to shoot it and threw a behind-his-head left-handed skip pass to the other side of the floor, and it was on the money. And yeah. he has... You and I have talked about this before, too, that, like, he has this ability. You always... And when I was listening to you and Bob talk about, like, uh, Celtics players and things like this, I mean, like, that was great, by the way, and people should listen to that. And he has this ability to make it seem like he's seeing things before they happen because he will take a picture of the floor right before he catches the ball. Mm. And, and he has such good t touch and passing vocabulary that uh, he can just do things that just seem like wizardly. Like it, it's, he's a, he's a surreal talent, but I was telling you, he also kind of has like some JR in his game where he's just like, Oh, what's the score? What's the time? What, where am I? What is this? And just fearlessness. So, I mean, I hope it comes together. Yeah. Bill Fitch used to call Larry Bird Kodak. Cause he used to <laughs> have this whole take that he would do about he's, he's, takes pictures of the court before everybody else realizes what's going on and sees everybody and then makes whatever decision he's going to make. LaBelle definitely has a little of that. I, I do wonder, you know, he hurt his wrist last year and I think it was on a drive, right? Didn't he get uh, knocked I down? I don't remember. He, he avoids contact. It was. We know that. But he, he got hurt and he missed a bunch of time. And I wonder if he's kind of easing back into uh, the physicality. What I, you mentioned how he has a frail frame which I agree with, like he's going to be 15 pounds heavier probably three years from now, right? He'll, he'll put on weight. He'll be, he'll look bigger and stronger. I do like how he bounces against guys sometimes. And I think Ja has the same quality, right? Ja just, he'll go into bigger dudes. He'll take the contact and then he'll kind of decide what to do. And I have seen LaMelo do that. And I think that's a really rare skill too, because, you know, some guys, they bounce off you and then they're flying and that's it. Um, LaMelo sometimes seems like he likes it. And then other times I feel like he doesn't want the contact at all. I bet on Charlotte for the over. Um, they were one of my locks when Russell and House and I did the pick. I think it was like 37. And, you know, it's like, A, is Hayward going to play? Mm -hmm. How many games am I getting from him? When they have Hayward, team's pretty good. And yeah. I, I think that's why the East is so confusing this year. And that's why I'm worried about the Celtics, honestly, because even if Tatum was probably the best guy out of like the five or six guys in that pack, it might not matter. Like it, it might just be a really deep conference that has a bunch of teams that are a little bit above 500 and then it'll come down to injuries and dumb losses, you know? And I think Charlotte is at least in that mix. I think they're in there with a team like the Knicks and the Celtics and a whole bunch of those teams. I, I don't really see a lot of separation anymore until you get to the Orlando and Detroit, which who are clearly just way below everybody else. Other than that, I don't know. Even like the Wizards, the Wizards aren't bad. You watch the Wizards; they have a lot of professional basketball players. They can rebound, uh, they can shoot, 
They play hard. They seem like they like each other. Like they kicked the shit out of the Celtics last night. Um, so yeah, so I don't know how it plays out for Charlotte, but they have a chance to make the playoffs. I think. I I think I would take it a step further. I just think the league is just I I I'm not kidding. I had this same thought last night that like you you go down and you just look at the teams and the talent pool in the league is just deeper than it's ever been. And I think that like the bath like the temperature. The water level has kind of, I don't know what the right metaphor is, but like I, it's the standard stasis of like what is an NBA player has kept coming up. And I, I think that like we iterate every year and like what the level of player that comes into the league is a little higher each year, you know, like whereas and I think that if you look like historically, you can kind of see that, that like as we go and as more people play basketball, I just think that we we have such an incredible crop of like young players coming in. I think it's just going to continue so to the point where like, the ba- the worst teams aren't going to be as bad anymore. Maybe the distance between thirty to one is still going to be there, but I-, I think that like what teams are capable of and like the individuals on every team because you just go- you're right. You go down through there and it's like even Orlando that's not really the best team. They have some guys that like on a night. It- it's just not as pitiful as it was like when I was growing up in the nineties. You know there were some teams where it's just like or the mid two thousands was <laughs> yeah. the worst. I remember there was one trade value year I couldn't even get to forty. I think I like had to cheat and put guys that I didn't even want to put like from 35 to 40. I think there's a couple of reasons for it. I think one guys are able to play longer now. So the talent pool is automatically a little swollen because of the guys in their mid thirties or later. And people like LeBron and Carmelo, who 15 years ago would have been out of the league by now, or LeBron would have been at a different point of his career. Carmelo would have been gone. Um, you just see that Kyle Lowry, Chris Paul, these are guys that just shouldn't still be at the level they are, but the way the aging process works now. So you have that pool. We don't have the drug stuff anymore like we had in the 80s where the drugs wiped out a bunch of people. We don't have the, you know, in the 90s, you had the rookie scale. We didn't have it yet. And a bunch of guys got paid too much too soon. And some of them just didn't make it, you know, in ways that they should have. And I've written about that, the Kenny Anderson types. Yeah. Um and just and injuries. I, yeah, I mean, like and in, players. Injuries, so injury recovery is better now, right? So guys can come back from things maybe they couldn't come back from. Things can get identified faster. So now, now that pool is better of just who's healthy. And then I think the specialty stuff really extends the player pool because you have people who are just shooters and you have people who are just rim runners. And, you know, like it, it's, so that's like an extra 20 jobs too. This is the first time I've ever felt like they could have 32 teams. I think they could do it. I think they could add Seattle and Vegas and or I don't Louisville, think the league right? would suffer. Yeah. Or Louisville. <laughs> I don't, I don't think the league would suffer though. I really think they have enough talent now. I think another, yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I think that another thing too, is just that, uh, the spread of inf- and like the availability of information. I don't know if I've talked to you about this with you about this before, but just like the availability of information in, in basketball players is higher than it's ever been. Because if you look at it in like the fandom and like sort of the analysis of the game mirrors this in a way that like I think that the coverage and the fans following the league are smarter than ever. Like the the the, the availability of information is, is super super high, and if you're a young player. Like when I was growing up playing, you know, I played, I played my entire life. I think I started like five years old, but like the, for me to uh, get video of basketball, it was so much harder to find. And like, I had a conversation with one of my nephews uh, or my nephew about this. And uh, he was asking me about a certain player and 
I pulled it up on YouTube and showed him like game footage. So it's like that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. then you have like trainer culture and things like that. I just think, I think that's probably why is that uh, players can learn from all this information they have and get good. I just, I just feel like I, the problem is that you kind of have like homogenized players. We have a lot of guys that are really similar. So the quirky, it's nice when we can get the quirky guys in there, like the Jokic's and the Giddies and things like that. But I kind of, yeah, but like they're all from the other biggest. countries. I mean, it's not an accident. Yeah. Well, mo I would say most of the truly interesting players we have weren't raised in America. And there's something to that. Like, the, I'm talking about the people that stand out in some way that just seem different than other players. I, I do think there's a homogenization with the American players, even down to the shooting strokes. Like, I think of when I was growing up, everybody had a different shot. You know, it was like, you know, you had guys flinging it from the side. You had the crazy Jamal Wilkes shot. Um, you had people, even bird shot, even though bird shot ended correctly, but he would take it from the side and kind of fling it and, um, it worked for him. But, um, now it just seems like, you know, everybody comes in shooting threes and yeah. there's a lot of similarity between players. And, you know, like you watch like a Jalen green, I've seen variations of Jalen green in how many different ways now in the last 30 years, right? It's like in that MJ tree of explosive athlete guards. That's why Edwards is kind of interesting to me when I watch him. I thought that Milwaukee game was fun last night. Um, and a great, a no holiday. I think they took, they took Milwaukee a little by surprise, but Edwards was a guy who was a football player almost his whole life and kind of came into basketball late. So some of the stuff he does, doesn't feel like AAU engine spit out thing. How much Edwards have you watched this year? Uh, I mean, I've, I've watched from my like rookie project that I did on him. I, I watched as much as I physically could. I mean, I've seen and, and I watched that game last night. I mean, Edwards is a guy I think you hit it. It's it's this multi-sport thing. I mean, you could write a book about this. I'm sure people have. I'd like to do a video about it someday. But this impact that like multiple sports has on your like cognition of the game uh, is very much a thing. I mean, I, and, and Co Kobe Bryant has talked about this, that like that was big for him because, um, you know, in the, in the like eighties, nineties, two thousands, the game was very like two you know, beat your man. And I, I feel like today we, we get into these situations where it's like a pick and roll heavy game. Now we yeah. have pick and rolls with like three guys in them. So you're just, but soccer is good for that. But Edwards was Hakeem. Hakeem was the, like so played soccer to was like 14. Yeah. Spatial sense. Embiid. I, I've made that argument a bunch that I think Embiid, he his touch is because he was a volleyball player growing up. He has incredible touch if you just watch yeah. him. For, and it, it defies explanation that he could, his starting point, if you go watch what he was at like 15, 16 years old to now, I mean, it seriously is insane. In like three or four years, he went from, I haven't touched a basketball to maybe the number one pick in the draft. But yeah, soccer. But Edwards is kind of like, he he's he played in a system where it was like I'm I'm just beating one person. He's not he doesn't have like a wide scope, and you're kind of seeing him start to figure that stuff out. You know, I kind of compared him to Wade a little bit, where it's like the more like active he gets, and the more he's sort of like thinking the game consistently. He's just a terror, man. He's a terror of an athlete, and the sky's the limit with his skill set. Honestly, it's funny, and and he's going to screw up a lot of drafts going forward, right? Because that was a polarizing number one pick. The skills were there. The upside was there. And we've seen that pick over and over again, not work. And you, you see this dude, like the best way I could describe him is it reminds me of the Timberwolves are a high school team. 
and they convince the quarterback on the football team to play, but he hasn't really practiced with them. But he's such a good athlete. He's so superior athletically to just about everybody in the court that he can kind of just by feel dominate. And it's like, man, imagine if this guy played basketball all the time. That's kind of how I feel watching Edwards sometimes because I do feel like, I don't know what he's going to look like in three years, but athletically, it's all there. And yeah. whether he gets certain basketball stuff, I don't know. Could he be a guy that could actually play in four straight playoff rounds? Um, will there be a feel for the game piece of it that I just think you need? Like you even saw Giannis last year as, as that series went along. Just mentally, there was this extra piece that you could see him figuring out. Could he, Edwards do that? I don't know, but... Man, athletically, we're talking to him, we're talking LaMelo. And then on the flip side, you watch Harden, who's overweight again and doesn't get the lunch calls anymore. And the teams are just playing really aggressively on him. And he doesn't have the first step anymore. And you can see it, you know? And it's like, what? It, where does his career go going forward? I'm watching all these other guys on the, my on my TVs. I'm watching all these great athletes. And Harden, to, to me doesn't look like he has his athletic ability in the same way anymore. Does that come back? Anyway, with Edwards, um, <laughs> that athleticism is just fucking staggering. It really is. It's, yeah. And we saw it last year, too. It's not like this is a new thing. Yeah, he's he's off the charts. I mean, he's tested higher. I, I, I have a friend that works at like an athletic testing company. He was saying it's like it's like Zion and, and Edwards and then everybody else. There's like a chasm between them and the field in terms of, and, you know, hopefully, mm. I well, I don't even want to put that in the air, but, you know, his body holding up and things. It hasn't been an issue, but uh, he's 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 a freak, man. I don't know. Well, like, isn't yeah. it like the cousin of big dick energy with Pete Davidson <laughs> and with that whole term, the BDE? It's like big athlete energy is its own thing. These guys who are just such great athletes, they actually manage to carry themselves like that when they're in a professional basketball league. They still carry themselves like, if there's any sort of decathlon, anything, I'm winning. Like, I yeah. really think he feels that way. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure that Edwards probably could have walked on the field for, like, University of Georgia last or a couple of years ago and played for them. Like, he's that. Oh, yeah. And, and, I mean, imagine being him. I mean, I would feel that way, too, if I was him. Like, I have, I have never encountered a moment in my life where my physicality and my athleticism isn't the answer to the... Like, I'm just... To any questions. Of course, <laughs> of course he thinks that. And then also... Just a world-class swearer. I don't know if you've seen any of his Oh, interviews. my God. I saw the <laughs> clip yesterday about Giannis. He's 7'2", 280, motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, like, he's one of those guys the twins could just bring him in. Like, hey, we brought in Anthony Edwards for batting practice. <laughs> and I could see him hitting, like, a 470-foot bomb. Like, they, there's he's a little Bo Jackson. I don't mean he to is. sound like a maniac, but I really do think athletically he kind of carries himself that way, where it's like, yeah... We threw him on the mound and Anthony was throwing 91, but we had to kind of teach him how to hold the ball. You know, like I, that's who he is. And from an athlete standpoint, Giannis is still the, the, the best athlete in the league, in my opinion. But if you're talking about who's coming up, you know, right underneath, it's the old LeBron title. There was like five, six years where LeBron athletically was just, it was just unlike anything. Yeah. Um, and then oh, he had the oh, brain to match. LeBron, yeah. 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 Like even like you go to 2012 LeBron and some of the stuff he was doing those last two rounds. Um, Edwards athletically. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I gotta say, I think it was the right pick. I wouldn't have said that. I don't know if him and D'Angelo Russell make sense together, but you can kind of see why they were getting frisky about Simmons trades and things like that, because if they can keep Towns and Edwards together and add a third piece and maybe, 
it's Dame if the Portland thing falls apart. Who knows? But um, it hurt them that they didn't get that Golden State pick. That was a I setback, wanted them to, to get say it. the least. Yeah, I was kind of like, when they were having a good year, I know they were kind of trying to build foundation and things like that and thinking they're going to keep D'Angelo and stuff. But I was just like, kind of want to get in that top. You know, you kind of want to get up there. Like, it, it's a good enough draft. It's kind of worth like, hey, maybe just uh, let let Anthony run pick and roll for the rest of the season and just whatever happens, happens. And let's just go. I, I just, yeah, I was watching them last night. It was cool to see like Carl... Uh, Carl's been knocked a lot. Even even I know we did our top 25 players and we had a lot of disagreement. We were like, does Carl belong there? I was like, yes, he belongs. And he's the best like shooting center ever. But he he's still kind of deferring a little bit. Like I know you kind of want D'Angelo Russell to run wild and things like that. I'm not trying to turn this into a Wolves discussion, but uh, it's the Wolves. The Wolves have something for the first time in a while. Chris Finch is is a legit good coach. He's, he's he, they they have a coach there. So yeah, Rosillo was high on them when we did the over under pod, mainly just because he. He just liked a lot of the players, which is over and over again, a theme of this season where you look at these rosters like, I like that guy. Kind of like that guy too. Oh, that guy. The Kings, who I've watched a lot of and I've been on a couple of times this year, is another one where they just have guys I like. It's weird. Fox, I just think Fox in the last four or five minutes of a game, I don't really like any of the shots he takes. (laughs) He's one of those, the stats end up where they need to be. So it looks like, He's really good. But if you actually watch them, last five minutes of the game when it slows down a little, I just don't like his shots. And I I still feel like eventually that's going to have to become a Halliburton situation. But he hasn't looked good in year two, in my opinion, at all. I've been disappointed by uh, his year two. Yeah, he's kind of come back to uh, regressed a bit. But I mean, I've always had sort of an up and down relationship with Fox. And this is sort of a, a... a sort of a tense <laughs> dynamic I've had with other Kentucky fans that like Fox was always a guy who just, he never like fit my basketball sensibilities, you know, yeah. it's just, he kind of, anytime there's like a heavy transition, like speed kills kind of point guard and the shooting is, is suspect. I've said this on this pod before I'm picky, but I like my initiator to be able to shoot the ball. I just think it's really, really important in mm. today's game. And uh, the consistency, the shot selection. Yeah, I mean, Fox is shooting 16.7% from three this year on six attempts. Yeah, so not the best. Yeah, that's not great. And, yeah. it, you know, and then they to miss on that Bagley pick in a loaded draft is it's really hard. Like, that's that takes you a couple years to recover from when you had the second pick in a draft that after that pick, Luka Doncic and Trey Young were drafted. It's a hard one. You only have so many chances to get all NBA guys, you know, and if you just completely torpedo one of those chances, pretty rough. So, uh, action pack first, any, any last thing you're looking at before we leave any last subplot for you? I I guess just quickly, I was going to say, I guess we should mention the bulls since we talked about one half of the ball brothers. Uh, I mean, the bulls are an interesting team. Dan Devine wrote a really good story on, on the ringer about they, they have a stretch coming up. They've kind of kicked around some team. The schedule was pretty pretty forgiving at the beginning but uh they they made it some good moves i mean you know now they have a team where they've got they can put lineups out there i think their lineup of like lonzo uh levine vucevic and uh, pat williams is one of the best like uh defensive like points allowed per possession in the league so it's a good switchable you know we were talking about flexibility they have it now i think they have questions in terms of like um their their back line because vucevic can have stretches where he just moves like a reanimated corpse, but he, but he's, he's playing, you know, offensively he fits with what they're doing. 
uh, they're an interesting team to watch. I, I just think that like and on on the subject of Lonzo, it's been interesting to see him. This is the first time I think since he's been at UCLA that he's been on like a well constructed roster that's balanced. Um, I, I don't think they should lean too heavily on him as a point guard, but I think that uh, he is a good connective piece. But there have to be pieces there for him to connect, you know, to work between. And he hasn't had that in the past. So uh, the Bulls are an interesting team to watch and uh, hopefully, you know, check back in on them, see how they do in this upcoming stretch. Yeah. By the time people hear this, they will have played the Knicks and that that'll be a nice little test for them. A little nationally televised game. I, uh, I continue to wish the Celtics had ended up with Lonzo. That was what I was hoping for this summer. It seems like that Bulls thing was a done deal forever. I will never understand what happened to him and the Pelicans and why they would have wanted to move away from him, especially for what they got. It's just, you know, to crack the top three most nonsensical things David Griffin did running the Pelicans so far, that's in the top three. But I never, I just never understood it. Like, that's exactly, and plus him and Zion, by all accounts, liked each other. Zion went to bat for him. So I don't get it. I, and I feel like, like you said, he's in a good situation. You look back at his last few years. This is something I would always look at if I was a GM. What are the situations this guy's been in? Lonzo was in horrible basketball situations his entire career, you know? And that's just what it was. He never played for the right coach. He never had the right roster around him. He never had the right theme for whatever the season was. And so I'm rooting for him. I like, he seems like he would be fun to play with, which as you know, is how I, I judge most of the stuff. Not as fun as my guy, Evan Mobley. Do we need yeah. a nickname for Evan Mobley or no? It's tough. We can't do initials with him. <laughs> Mobes? I, I don't know. Mobius? I, well, far be it from me. I, well, I'm sure we could put that out there. So yeah, he might Twitter. already have one. He might Twitter have people, one. work on that one. Evan yeah. Mobley needs a nickname. All right, Kyle. Good seeing you. Um, can't wait Likewise. for your next video. And uh, I look forward to you and Sharks chopping it up on Ringer NBA at some point soon. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right. He joins us every Thursday, Peter Schrager from Good Morning Football on the NFL Network and Fox you can see him this weekend on Fox. We were doing really well this season. Last week, week seven, we lost $5,000. And we did it. It was self-inflicted. We got a little cocky. We did a five-team tease on FanDuel. The Chiefs were one of the five teams. Even though we were getting 14 points with the Chiefs, it just didn't matter. And we lost on that. We lost on them to score over 30 points. They obviously did not do that either. And they just demolished us. We are still up $1.565 million for the year. That's not where I'm starting, though. There's two teams that we like this week for million-dollar picks that have storylines that kind of tie into why we like the million-dollar picks. I'm going to start with Tom Brady. Okay. Who is plus 500 on FanDuel right now for MVP. Here are his stats. 2,275 yards leads the league. Mm -hmm. 
21 touchdowns, three picks. Has not played the Saints yet, a team that kind of haunted him, at least during the regular season last year. But um, they're basically, they've scored, the Bucs have scored 31, 48, 24, 17, 45, 28, 38. They don't really play anybody after this. Their only tough game left is Buffalo. And if you're just looking big picture Brady, age four, is he 44 or 45? He's so old, I don't even know how old he is. 44? 44, yeah. 44. Could they get a one seed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could they go 14 and three with a one seed? Sure. Could he throw for 50 TDs? It's in play when you look at the schedule they have left. So with 5,000 yards, 50 TDs, the one seed in the NFC, Mahomes is out. Kyler Murray could get hurt any week. Mm-hmm. Mahomes five to one. Wait, what am I not seeing, Shrakes? What, where does Brady stack up in the, the leaders? Because I find it fascinating. He's not number one. Like I figured Derrick Henry and Kyler Murray and then Brady. Is he not third? Well, part of what happens when they do these future odds, especially, they're kind of trapped with what the initial odds are. It's very hard to move people backwards, mm-hmm. you know? And like you saw it with Mahomes. Mahomes ended up moving backwards because, you know, he was, I think he peaked at four to one. He's dropped way down now. He's 50 to one. He's actually kind of an intriguing dark horse bet. Right. Oh, you're so good. We start this off with, we're, we're angry at the Chiefs. Within a minute, we're like, should we go Mahomes? Yeah, Mahomes, 50 <laughs> to one, baby. Uh, Josh Allen's three to one. Prescott's plus 450. Kyler's oh, plus yeah. 450. Brady is plus 550. So he's better than 500. It's plus 550. And then it goes Stafford, Rogers, Herbert. All of those are 10 to one on. Derrick Henry's 23 to one. You mentioned really? him. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you like Derrick Henry a little bit. I, I got to tell you, I did a whole perspective um, thing on it or retrospective, if you want, about Derrick Henry and where he stands up in the context of history. And I went through the record books and I did a whole piece on Good Morning Football about it. It's it's wild what he's doing in this day and age. And he's about to be uh, a rushing champion for third, three straight years, rushing touchdowns champion three straight years. He has over 300 yards more than the number two rusher in the league right now. And he's got 70 more carries than the number two rusher in the league right now. He leads the league in touchdowns by nearly twice as many as everybody else. And if that team continues to win, they feed him the rock all game long, even in a game where they're winning 27 to three on the chiefs. He had 30 carries like, right. Do you see that stat? He's on pace for 500 touches. Yeah. yeah. We're now throwing it out. We talked about this. I talked about a multiple pods last week about, we did that whole thing about the 10-year Russian yeah. champions and how he's just going to own that for the next couple of years. And Sal and I were talking about what a unicorn he was on Sunday night, how it's very rare in football where you have somebody who's unlike anybody else at their position, right? And he's just completely unlike anyone else. So 500 touches to me sounds completely insane, but maybe we take it off the maybe table so. with Derrick Henry. Maybe you just for like, all right, maybe he's the one who could do it. If you're comparing him in eras, the only other guy to have as big a numbers comparably to the people in his era, it's nuts, Bill. It's it's Jim Brown. Like, it's the only other guy who was that much. Because even Emmett had Barry. Uh, Dickerson was there with those guys in the late 80s. O.J. Simpson had contemporaries. Jim Brown was by And far, murders. O.J. had some murders, too. Sure, sure. In honor of Norm MacDonald and his passing, I'll just leave it out there. Um, but I was saying, like, Jim Brown was that much better than the number two guys in the number three guys of his generation. But Derrick Henry has such a gap over the competition. And we talked about it last week. Like, you want to say, like, oh, McCaffrey and Kamara and Barkley and Chubb. But 
it's like it's Henry and then the rest and, and Jonathan Taylor's two in rushing and it's by a large margin. So if he goes for 2000, two straight years, he's the first player to do that. And even if he does it in 17 games, 16 games, whatever, if they have a number one seed, maybe we pivot from Brady and we go with the bigger odds and say, Derrick Henry's a locomotive. Let's get on that train. Going through the schedule. They're at Indy this week, a game we're staying away from a million dollar picks. Oh, I just think it's a stay away. Yeah. They're at the Rams the week after. Home New Orleans, home Houston, at New England, home Jacksonville, at Pittsburgh, home San Francisco, home Miami, at Houston. There's a path to like 11 wins for a team that I'm not even sure is good because the hardest stretch of their season was Buffalo, Kansas City, week six, week seven. They won both Beat games. Both. Beat them both and yeah. within six days. And I like that they're playing the Rams and I like that they're playing the Colts. So it's not like, hey, did you guys realize Derrick Henry's... He's going to be in some big games on a lot of people watching. And that's really the key of it. I don't have an MVP vote. Did you ever have an MVP vote? I have it for NBA. Yeah. So I'm not allowed to bet on NBA. Yeah. So like, I don't have the vote or anything, but it's one of those deals where it's like, it is as simple as when you do it in prime time and there's narratives and all that stuff, it peaks like you have to do it in front of eyeballs. It can't be on an irrelevant team that's losing. It has to be for a winning team in big spots. And I think the last, Three weeks, Derrick Henry's been amazing, and it's only getting better. I, I, I am actually really intrigued by that. I didn't think it would be that big a disparity between Josh Allen and Kyler, and then to him because the last one to do it was Adrian Peterson in 2013. I have it. So yeah, Peterson's 2012. Yep. Sean the Alexander. Sean Alexander 05 year, which we've all agreed never to talk about again. LT <laughs> did it in. Uh, I. My apologies to Lawrence Taylor. Ladanian Tomlinson, Tomlinson yeah. LDT did it in yeah. 2006. There's Jamal Lewis won like one of them in the 03, but not, it just, not the, it was all, 03 was all over the place. And then you have to go back to Marshall Falk in 2000. So it's pretty rare it's very for rare. the running today's, back to win. Today's but, game where it's all passing and it's all quarterbacks and this one team, because we had Tiki Barber on uh, Good Morning Football and he made a great point. He was like, they were down 14 points to the Seahawks and their strategy was, keep feeding the ball to Henry. Like it yep. wasn't like, let's start throwing the ball and let's, you know, do. no, it's, that's their offense. And you keep on giving it to him and teams do stack the box. He still gets the yards. Uh, Kansas city actually fared very well against him, but it was, it was over before it even got to the point where he needed to go nuts. So they took their foot off the pedal a little bit and he still put up big numbers. I, it I seems like, like he Henry. won two games. He won two games by himself. He won the Seattle game by himself and he won the, the uh, Buffalo game by himself. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i going to make the case for Brady. Okay. These are all about narratives, right? Yep. We know it's a lot harder for the running back to win the MVP. The the I think it gets sexier, a word I rarely like to use with sports. Um, only really use it for MVP choices. <laughs> but <laughs> I you think... Like? You like feisty? You like... Uh, yeah, sexy, sneaky. like appealing, enticing. <laughs> yeah, right. I think the Brady thing gets sexier if they go on a winning streak. Okay. And the question is, with the way that their schedule is set up now, and the fact that they've been a little banged up the last couple of weeks. I mean, their secondary still is in good shape. It looks like yeah. Levante David's coming back. They uh -huh. lost Gronk. They lost Antonio Brown. They've still won four straight. If they beat New Orleans, that's five. Washington, New York, that's seven coming off the bye. Then they're at Indy, at Atlanta, eight, nine. Conceivably, they, they could have a nine-game winning streak heading into week 13 against Buffalo. And that could end up being the game, the regular season game of the year. Buffalo, Tampa, mm -hmm. nine game winning streak. 
two MVP candidates, Brady going for 5,000 yards, 50 TDs. Also, as we've discussed in the past, the 5,050 thing, there's an extra game this year. Yep. It's a, it's like a Jedi mind trick. Yep. We Those numbers, you just see them and you go, wow, 5,000, but it's a tiny bit easier. It's not easier, but it's, no, it's it, it one seventeenth easier. Yeah. So that would be the case. So my point is, is there, you, is there voter fatigue? You think well, now, Manning, won, won it, Manning won, won it five times. When was the last time Brady won? It's, it's been a couple years ago. He beat out Todd Gurley, I think in 2018. Yeah. And it was Gurley's big touchdown season. Um, I well, do you I think mean, he gets credit for convincing either guys to stay or guys to come? Does that, part of an MVP for you. Mm -hmm. Like Brown and Gronk are there because of him. Godwin right. probably stayed because of him. You're right. Barrett came back because he wanted to win another. Like these guys didn't take the easy money and go big, big anywhere else for big uh, money. Also, he's the offensive coordinator. Like the Bruce Arians admitted what, two weeks ago? Like, yeah, I don't even go to the offensive meetings. And this is Bruce Arians is allegedly the, you know, this offensive guru. guru. The quarterback and Brady's whisper. just like, I'll take it. Thanks. It's going to be me and Byron Leftwich. We've got this. Bruce, you go over there. Have a couple of cocktails. Oh, no. There's no doubt that Brady's been amazing. It's about the voters and what they're going to say. And if Derrick Henry has one of these 2,000-yard seasons, is it like, yeah, we know what Brady does. We got to give respect to Henry. It, Josh Allen could still go 16-1. and one. Like, there's a lot of guys, obviously. But if it's to come down to Brady being as good as he was in 07, and honestly, he looks better right now, I think, than he did in 07. I'm, I'm not kidding. I think he looks so amazing right now. It's... It's nuts how good he looks. And, you know, Romo and Nance are getting these CBS games with Brady, which is kind of a rarity. And it's been like Dolphins, blowout. Uh, then you get last week and it's like the Bears. Here come the worthy Bears and this great defense, blowout. They're blowing, they're smoking teams. And Brady's as good as it gets. I Well, wonder... it was funny. It was funny watching him with the Mannings on Monday night, who are his peers, right? Yep. And Eli came into the league five years after him. Manning <laughs> came into the league a year before. And he's on there and he's wearing a hat. He looks like he's 28. And he's with these two retired NFL quarterbacks who have been, Manning's been, at, Peyton's been out of the game for six years. Eli's been out for a couple. Mm -hmm. And Brady looks like he popped out of a freaking time machine to join them for a quarter. Yeah. And I, I, you could almost see in Peyton, there's like this look of like, Jesus, I How's used to be doing? neck and yeah. neck with this guy. And this guy's still playing and yeah. killing me legacy wise. Yeah, no, it, it's nuts. And it's like Case Keenum, wins that game last week. And I, I, I was laughing. I'm like, Case Keenum, geez. I feel like he's, he's been everywhere. He started for six different teams. He's a, and then I saw Chase Daniels, the backup in, in the Chargers. I'm like, Chase Daniels still in the league? Case Keenum is like 14 years younger than Tom Brady. <laughs> right. Nuts. Right. And he's like what? a Wiley veteran at this <laughs> yes. point. And you're like, oh, wow, Case Keenum. It, it well, is... bringing this full circle, the Saints-Bucks, which is one of the teams we're targeting or one of the games we're targeting. I was trying to make the case in my head for the Saints plus five and a half. And it was like, oh, you know, think of what they did the Packers. They had real success against Brady last year. Um, For whatever reason, these NFC South games are always wonky. You're getting points. Saints are at home. Mm -hmm. Biggest game of their season. Mm -hmm. I just can't get there with their passing attack. I've seen a lot of Saints. I think that... Winston was, what, 3.3 yards of pass in Seattle. Now, we lost on that Seattle game. We almost hit this unbelievable all oh. three underdog parlays last week, and it came down to Seattle's kicker botching two easy field goals in the rain. Um, so, yeah, I get it. It was rain. I don't think their receivers are, are 
even average. I have Callaway on two fantasy teams. He's kind nice. of a mass murderer. They just don't have good receivers. And it's like any good team, just make sure Kamara doesn't beat you coming out of the backfield. And they're really not going to be able to throw the ball. And at some point, we haven't really seen the Saints have to play from behind either. What are they like when they're down 10? You saw with the Bucks and the Bears last week, and we had the Bears, bad pick. Mm-hmm. Once, I, once they're up 10, it was like, you can't run on them. They know you can't run on them. They're going to blitz the shit out of you. They're going to get pressure up the middle. And all of a sudden, now you're down 17. You're chucking the ball in a triple coverage. I actually think, I think they're going to kill the Saints this weekend. Really? I do. I And I could see the case the other way, but I don't think the Saints can match them score-wise. I think the Bucks now with these guys back, it's 30-plus a game from here on out. I don't see a scenario where it's not 30-plus a game. What are your thoughts? My thoughts are I watched that game as if it was the Super Bowl on Monday night, and I was rooting against Jameis, and he was doing everything in his power with those receivers to keep us alive. I mean, yeah. The Seahawks had the late hit by Marquise Blair which on third and nine, which was inexplicable. Then they had a 350-pound defensive lineman, Al Woods, go off sides on a field goal, which not only gave the Saints four more downs and not only gave them the first down, but it took off more time off the clock. And then Geno Smith, and then the two field goals, and the Seahawks still almost won. So, like, the Saints offense, it was all Kamara. It was everything they had going. And I feel like they, Buccaneers... They can isolate Jameis Winston, a guy that they know very well, and they're not going to be able to keep up and score enough with them. And the Saints, the, nobody runs on the Bucs, right? No one runs on the Bucs. No one will. And, and I just think the Saints' defense is really good. So yep. I feel like this this might not be an out-of-control blow. I like the Bucs, but I'm Can not I give sure. you a counter to the Saints' yeah, defense? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Who put up points on them? What quarterback threw for 402 yards against the Saints this season? Was it like Taylor Heineke? Who was it? Your guy, Dimes. Is that right? The, 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 that's right. That was a, but that game was 21-10 with seven minutes left and the Giants all of a sudden start pouring it on. It was one of those weird anomalies. Uh, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, maybe that's... Or, yeah. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm in on this Bucks team. I, I think they know they're good now. Hey, yeah. What I saw from that Bears game, which we both watched intently because we had the Bears plus 12 and a half, yep. they stepped on their neck and put them away the way a really good team does. And I think they're the class of the NFC right now. I... I don't like what I'm seeing from the Rams in terms of letting teams hang around. They let teams hang around. I don't think their defense is as good as we thought it was going to be. But the real thing is they can't run the ball. So when they have, even when they have leads, it's hard for them to kind of keep the lead, protect the league. Whereas like somebody like Brady, all right, third and eight, I'm going to get 22 here. Like he's just that you just basically can't ever stop them. And when they're up 17, they're even more dangerous. And that's why I feel like if Jameis is behind, that's where we want to be. Jameis down 10. Agreed. Lock it in. Here was a good story I got last week. And I, I broke the news on, uh, the Fox pregame show on Sunday, but there's more to it. Uh, their defensive backs coach, Kevin Ross had COVID, couldn't coach and Sherman like walks into Todd Bowles' office and they're like, all right, Sherman's in the training. He's like, I want to, I want to help coach this week. I want to help coach this week. So they're like, all right, you can help coach. Then he gets into practice and Richard Sherman is like fully coaching the defensive backs. They get to the game. They showed him. He's got the headset on. Now he's coaching the defensive backs. And right. like that, that stuff right there. And I, I know this people might be rolling their eyes about, Hey, all right, whatever. He's a, but like, that doesn't happen when you're in a team that's kind of not going. That's Richard Sherman being like, holy shit, I appreciate these guys taking a chance on me after what happened this summer. 
holy shit, I have something more to give than just playing. And I'm not coming back on the field anytime soon, but how can I help this team? And they're all in. That's how they are down there. It's There's no selfish players in there. And like Antonio Brown used to be a diva. and I, He's not that way. Uh, some of these wide receivers that you'd think can get big money and get big, like, big, like Godwin, not that way. Evans, not that way. Brady throws his 600th touchdown. It's almost like the team did it, like the whole reaction. And yeah. I say all that because it's like, there won't be a complacency. They've not gotten bored. And there's not this like, what do you call it? The Pat Riley thing, the disease of me that you always mention. That yeah. is not the case. Not as long as they've got all these veterans and Brady leading the leading the charge. I'm with you. And to be fair, we're looking at them as the money line minus 255, which we're going to talk about. The Bucks are minus five and a half and minus 255. There's a small piece as a longtime Brady watcher. Yep. There's a small piece of him when it's like, this team owns you. Mm -hmm. um, this team got you last year. Oh, look out. That team has figured out Brady. He has a tendency over the years. That's usually when he's like hyper-focused. Like, <laughs> oh, really? This team has me? And that will, they'll turn it up. I remember Miami in 07, yeah. which the, the clips were just online about. That was Moss's two craziest touchdowns, two of like his three craziest touchdowns yeah. of the year. But that was one of those where it's like, oh, Miami over the years, they've they've gotten Brady a few times. They kind of and they just it was fifty nine nothing. They just he completely beat the, the shit out of on him. On the Manning cast, they asked him like, is that, and he's like the early two thousands Dolphins with Dave Wanstat coaching. Like they gave yeah. me fits. Like he gave him credit and said that. Um, they did they not check that box though going in there in the playoffs and winning in the divisional round? Or you feel like that? No, they did. So, it's just he yeah. had that thing whenever he had a good team, he would pour it out with Miami. He's him on turf indoors. Um, that team on turf, I think I know. the Bucks. you I'm know, in. there's always like the Mike Evans. Oh, why is he rolling around in the first quarter? Like there's that. <laughs> I get it. But um, Darren, we're going to talk about a team. We're thinking about parlaying with them after this break. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe. Award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24/7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside. LDA, 21 and up. Okay. so. The big thing we try to figure out for week seven of the million dollar picks is how do we make money on the Bengals who are minus 10 and a half at the Jets? 
They're minus 500. And normally I would look at this and go, got to figure out a three-team tease, um, uh, some sort of parlay bet, whatever. The Bengals coming off an awesome win. Mm -hmm. The Jets are starting Mike White, who did a great job riding White Lotus this year. But unfortunately, White Lotus, he did a great job. No no writer's room for White Lotus. Just crank that himself. Oh, yeah. Talented guy. Not sure he's the quarterback I want against the Cincinnati team. Um, It's a perfect storm of, I think the Jets now realize our destiny is we're now one of the three worst teams in the league. Um, The Zach Wilson, he's going to be out for four weeks. They cannot run the ball at all. Um, defensively, they've had some losses. I don't know if Mosley is Mosley coming back this week. I you don't think know. he wasn't there last week, and the announcer yeah. said it about fourteen times in the first quarter. Like the Patriots keep running up the gut. Well, we know there is no Mosley, right? <laughs> like, so maybe they throw this game away. So we we are targeting the Bengals this week. But do, give me a empty your Bengals notebook. What do you got yeah. for us? So. I speak with Zach a lot and I think he's the most anonymous head coach maybe in the NFL. If he was to walk into an airport, I don't think anyone's stopping him for a photo. And yet his whole thing is like, we're, we're not surprised at this. Like this isn't a shock to anyone here because of what they built. It's a very young offense. So it's Burrow, it's Chase, it's T. Higgins, it's Mixon. Those are young guys. And Perrion, um, they have a good backup running back. Like they, they, they always Samaji's have somebody good. in there who could do stuff. And and they're and they're a really explosive young offense that's gonna put points. But the defense, there's no first or second year players on that defense, and it's yep. a lot of like discarded players from other places. So Chidobi Awuzie was with the Cowboys, and now it's like, all right, my second chance here. Uh, it's Mike Hilton, it's Von Bell, and then you go down to Trey Hendrickson, and it's like this great mix of veteran guys who have been through games and have won games on good teams, trying to build something. And then young players who were excellent in college and have played in big games at that level, all with a very mild mannered coach and an offensive coordinator and Brian Callahan, who's Bill's son, who I think is going to get head coaching interviews this year because he's unleashing things in these players that, you know, right out of the gates, they're able to do Jamar chase. That's not by accident. That's obviously him as a talent, but it's also the coaching to get him, go and get him going like he has been in year one. Um, I would describe their defense as fast and hungry. It's a good de- that's a good way to do it. And you look I mean, at look at their seven their seven games. 24, they gave up 24 to Minnesota in OT. As we always say, like week one, that you're not really sure yet. Uh, 20 to Chicago, 10 to Pittsburgh, 21 to Jacksonville. I think one of those TDs was late. 25 to Green Bay in OT, 11 to Detroit, but then 17 against Baltimore. It seems like a defense the arrow's pointing up, wouldn't you say? I, I think the defense is really good and really smart and like disciplined. And last week's game, it was big on the national stage, I think, that, that he, they did that to the Ravens and they got their respect. It was also really big in like that locker room because mm. they've been talking and preaching that. And it's like, holy shit, we just punched them in the mouth who have beaten us five straight times and run all over us. But it's like, no, no, we just were bullies to them in their building. And it's not one of these where I think they're going to take the foot off the pedal. It's like, okay, we're not going anywhere. We're ready to go. The last piece of it is Burrow, who has been fantastic and has been so confident since he got in the league. And so, so uh, I guess the alpha in that room, like I remember the draft, it was over Zoom. So it was tough for these teams to interview the players. And there was no question he wasn't going number one, but another team got to do a Zoom with him. And I spoke to a coach afterwards who met with with Burrow, met with Tua, met with Herbert. And he's like, you know, Tua's got 
a great story and he's going to be fine. And Herbert has these physical gifts, but like Burrow is that Pied Piper where Burrow says, I want to go down a dark alley and you know, it's not the right thing to do, but you're like, ah, if Joe Burrow's doing it, let's go. Like, I want to be a part of that. And Oh, it's like the- Trent Dilford's car case test. If you had the five QBs, you it was the draft in 2010. If you have the five rookie QBs, you'd throw the car keys to Mark Sanchez. Is that what he said? All right, yeah. I love that. And it was like, that's both funny that Mark Sanchez was the answer, but Mark Sanchez was two AFC title games. But anyway, that always makes me think of that. So I they would throw that. the keys to Burrow. But that's the thing. And it's like, all right, so then they tears up his knee and all off season, he's still running shit and he's still the guy. And then gets on the field and they're like, this guy is the man. Like they all think he's the man and the coaches think he's the man. And we make excuses and we say, well, you know, you don't have to be a big vocal. Like Eli was great and he wasn't this screamer and Flacco was kind of this calm demeanor. And he had Nick Foles was an in-your-face guy. At the end of the day, sometimes it is nice to have a big asshole as your quarterback who's just like, follow me, let's go. I'm not going to be the nicest guy in the room, but we're going to go win. And he Sounds like Dan Fouts. Have you ever seen the, uh, oh, the old MFC where- video of Dan Fouts? <laughs> Chilling I'm the MFC. He's got the hat on. He's oh, yeah. Um, um, the thing with Burrow that makes me like him even more, because he was obviously amazing at LSU, and I've loved everything I've seen from him in the Bengals. Even last year, he's getting the shit kicked out of him because they yeah, couldn't block for up. him. Yeah. But you think like, all right, why did he transfer? Oh, because Urban Meyer, he Urban Meyer evaluated that Dwayne Haskins was better. Well, what a... What have we learned from Urban Meyer the last four or five years? He might've just been a complete jackass who was good at recruiting and that's it. Like, what a miss. So, and I yeah. think that was probably the best thing that ever happened to Burrow too, right? It's like, these guys don't want me. I know I belong here. Ends up at another school and say, I, I'm all in and we should be all in with the Bengals this week. This week. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people are going to say, you guys are Johnny come lately. Where were you in week three? I think it's fair to adjust and adapt and be like- We had him in underdog parlay. We, we were did. there. We yeah, we won. Him, but- but it's like, you know, I think there's this resistance from a lot of these fan bases when they have these like breakout years and it's like, no, 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 no. It's okay to adapt into a preach. Like CBS last week, they had the national game in the one o'clock hour. 17% of the country got Bengals Ravens when the Bengals were five and one and the Ravens were five, whatever they were. And it's like, that'll change. And now it's okay. And we're getting to know this team. It's going to be, it's going to be a little slow for everyone else to get on it, And it's okay to get on it. Um, I really enjoy watching them play. I really think they're good. And I don't think they're going anywhere with that guy at quarterback. He's just too much of a, a straight, straight shooter. And he's too much of a leader. It's not, they're not going to fade away. Jets this week, Cleveland Oof. at home next week. Oof. Jets There's are in a, a chan- bad place. Ch- chance they could be seven and two, the Bengals heading into the bye. And then it gets tougher and we'll find out. But I think, look, we have every year we have the first half teams that you ride. Mm -hmm. And then there's always one team in the second half that maybe might not be for real. You know, it could be Arizona this year. Who knows? But after the bye, they have at Las Vegas, home Pittsburgh, home Chargers, home San Fran at Denver, and then home Baltimore, home KC at Cleveland. Now, if KC just never gets their shit together. If the Chargers continue to kind of be arrow pointed down, maybe that schedule is not as hard as we thought. But if you had to pick AFC North, Bengals, Ravens, Hmm. Browns, who would you take in that division? Because I think I would take the Bengals. After last week, I would take the Bengals. I'm going to give you the odds. I'm going to give you the odds. Who do you think is favored? Ravens. 
Ravens minus 120. Browns plus 250. Bengals plus 330. Really? Yeah. So people are Not still a lot like, of believers out there. They're still waiting. I thought they they destroyed Baltimore last week in their building. And the confidence they have off of that is going to be incredible. You would think. Um, all right. So we're looking at them. Do we break the mold and talk about that bet? That sounds like a very interesting one. A see uh, a division bet. We <laughs> a division bet and we put a put a little a couple flyers. Little, yeah, little Brady stuff. plus five fifty and Bengals plus three thirty. So Bengals, we could we could maneuver this line if we wanted. We could move it to minus nine and a half and bet it straight up with a little vig. Or and that would be. Let me find out what that would cost us. Oh, you, so they have the alternate spreads on FanDuel, right? I don't know if you're aware of that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the alternate spread, we could do minus eight and a half, minus 140, minus nine and a half, minus 130. I think they run away with this one. I don't know much about Mike White, the quarterback for the Jets. I don't think the Jets know much more than he's been with them a couple of years bouncing around. Um, Western Kentucky, fifth round pick from the Cowboys. I, they, we, we agree the Bengals are winning. So what do we do? We have a three-team money parlay we could do. Okay. The Bucks just mm -hmm. to win. Mm -hmm. The Bengals just to win. And the Chiefs just to beat the Giants. Chiefs make me nervous. They yes, cost they us do. a lot of money last week. Could I, and that's plus 104. We could also do Bucks, Bills, Bengals. Bills against Miami. Bills are minus 850 against Miami. Put those three together. It's minus 111. So basically we could bet we could bet a million and one hundred ten thousand dollars to win a million on those three if we want it. Do we? Or go, do we go we, four? Or we could get super ambitious. <laughs> this is where we and, get in trouble, Bill. <laughs> and just say fuck it. The Bengals are beating the Jets. Let's just bet the money line minus five hundred. Let's risk. We made all this profit during the mm -hmm. season. We're up one point five six five million. Let's bet three million bucks on the <laughs> Bengals. To win 600K. What a, just this, it. All we have to do is they just have to win by one point. This feels like uncut gems right now. <laughs> <laughs> my so, heart's out of my chest. It's not even my all money. All right, so we'll come back to that. We'll figure okay. that out when we do the million-dollar picks. But uh, like no, no way the Dolphins beat the Bills, right? I, there's a way, but I don't see it in Buffalo. I don't. Not after a, not after a buy. I don't see it, no. Something slightly scares me just because it's like the you. Dolphins whole it. season They're and desperate like and two playing like, for his job. Yeah. And then Chiefs Giants, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I don't want right. to throw the Chiefs in a tease at this deserve, point in my life. They don't life. deserve our love. Yeah. Uh, some straight up games. Pats, Chargers. It's going to be a home game for the Pats. Mm -hmm. There's going to be 50,000 Boston fans there. The Chargers, 17th at DVOA. Their wins are Washington, KC, Vegas, and Cleveland. They have the 32nd run DVOA. Mm. I think the Pats can really run the ball on them. They can. Mike Williams is not 100%. Somebody that I think the, would have given the Pats Problems. a lot of trouble. Yeah. I think the Pats, after following Belichick for 21 years, they're going to double Keenan Allen. They're going to make sure Eckler doesn't beat them coming out of the backfield. And Let Jared Cook beat us. Yeah. Take their chances with everybody else. The biggest thing is Josh McDaniels finally emerged from his coma last nice. week. It was nice to he, see. He woke up. It was a little like when Adrian came out of her coma in Rocky <laughs> Two and was like, I want you to do one thing for me. Win. 
Well, what are we waiting for? Josh McDaniels is like, oh, shit, I can do some fun stuff with this team yeah. and broke out of his shell. Out of the gates, too. That first Kendrick Bourne, like, here we go. Um, and I think you mentioned it to Sal. Like, I think there's a lot of symbolism and a lot of importance and significance in Belichick and Mac on the sidelines, down the stretch, smiling, laughing, hugging. Because those first few weeks, it was like, son, like, this is how it was not pleasant to watch. And it looked like, all right, Mac is earning a little bit of that Belichick attaboy stuff, which does not come easy. Do you think the Patriots, how inspired will they be by nephew Kyle being there in person on Sunday, do you think? Have we alerted TMZ or Demois or any of these sites that do the celebrity <laughs> sightings? <laughs> Kyle, cut, try to cut yourself off after 10 drinks. Get your camera on. <laughs> um, can't wait. So Warren Sharp threw something interesting at me, an idea. And you can yep. listen to Warren on the Ringer Gambling Show. He was saying if the Pats, if this game's going to be close, they're four and a half point. It's, this game's right in the Vegas zone. Vegas is like, we don't know either. Plus four mm -hmm. and a half. That's the mm -hmm. classic. We just have no idea. If you like the Pats, why not take them plus three in the first half? Interesting. Because if, if they're going to cover or stay in the game or possibly win, the first half will set the tone. If they're down 10 in the second half and Max it's got hard a throw, to see now Mac I'm nervous. Yeah. Bosa's heating up. And it's like, what, instead of taking the plus four and a half, why not just take the plus three for the first half? Interesting. What are your like thoughts it. on that? I like that a lot. And Which one I do think, you like more? I think the plus three and a half, the first half is a good plus call. Plus three, because, not plus three and a half. I would love the three and a half. I would love that little, <laughs> um, take that extra point and a half in the second half though. Sure do. All right, well, we can come back to that. We are taking, we agree, the Pats. I like the Pats, and I like that I, they won 45 to nothing in that building last week and last year, and it's not like they're coming in there like, ooh, a trip to LA. Like, this is a business trip. They know what's up. Plus 194, we'll be talking about them again in Underdog Parlay. I, the reason I love this game for them is I just like the matchup. Mm -hmm. I think they're really going to be able to run the ball, control the ball. The play action, Mac was just, so crisp last week. It really got me using, so pumped. Started using the tight ends quite a bit more. It, yep. And Janu, unclear if he's playing this yeah, week, we'll but see. the Hunter but Henry Hunter piece. Been good. Yeah. All right. So we'll come back to that. And the Chargers, the Eckler thing is what scares me. Mm -hmm. Eckler coming out of the backfield has been the type of guy that's haunted this Patriots team for like 10 years. Ooh, give me some names. Give me some guys that have given oh, you nightmares. Just na name anyone. Like Camara a couple weeks ago. Yep. Um, just like the wheel routes and little and delayed screens, all that stuff. Like they just have trouble. And the Hightower thing is something to watch. He didn't play last week against no. the Jets. They didn't miss him at all. I think he's looked old and slow this year. Yeah, I haven't heard his name mentioned many times on the broadcast and you don't hear anyone around the league being like, wow, Hightower's doing it. But those he young doesn't guys look are the same. playing well. But the young yeah. guys are. And Judon... Judon's been fantastic. He's Hightower's led the league in grunts from Kyle this year, where yeah, Hightower just... like two steps behind somebody in a pass play and Kyle just going, ugh. <laughs> um, anyway, that part worries me. Okay, so we mentioned Bucks minus five and a half. Just three more games really quick. Talk me out of Seahawks minus three over the Jacks. Sun, uh, the kitchen sink game was Sunday night against the Steelers. They lost it. The kitchen sink game was Monday night against the Saints. They lost it. You think after that loss Monday night, like I'm going to go and say, yeah, they're going to wrap. Jaguars have nothing to lose. They're going to come out and play loose and 
don't know. The Seahawks have been putrid the last two weeks. I can't get behind that. Seattle's 10th in DVOA somehow. Okay. Jaguars, 32nd in run DVOA. They lost Chark for the year. Yep. Seattle beat Indy. OT lost to Tennessee. Killed by Minnesota and beat San Francisco to start the year. Wilson gets hurt in the Rams game, which they almost won anyway. Sure. OT lost to the Pittsburgh. Yep. And that Saints game is fucking monsoon. I think we throw it out. Okay, so what's the... What's the argument I, here's that the, here, here's they're the, going to turn it around? I think to me, I was watching that game Monday night. I'm like, well, that's done. Like this team's done. At- counter, counter. Okay. Urban Meyer, how many more chances do we have to bet against this guy? They got a win before the bye. They won in London. They they came back and beat the Dolphins. Like I don't know. It's maybe that was their one win. All right, so you're vetoing that one. You're are you yeah, exercising your use, veto? I'm going to use my veto. You're I think using, the Jaguars, using your veto. Okay. Yeah, I think the Jaguars hang with them. How do you in feel Seattle. about Seattle? I just think this is House's favorite game of the week, and House has been kind of hot. He'll <laughs> well, be talking about to, it on Friday. See, he likes the Seahawks. It's just like if I told you this line. If we were in August, yes, but and we're like Wilson week eight. Was their quarterback, but in week eight, Seahawks Jags. What do you think the line is? We would have said ten and a half. I've watched every snap of the Seahawks the last two weeks. They're one of the worst teams. They're pretty in bad. Yeah, they're pretty bad. All right, Lions Eagles. Lions plus three and a half over the Eagles. Philly's twenty first in DVOA. Detroit's twenty seventh. If you take out week one, which they did on Football Outsiders, go to footballoutsiders.com. I'm a subscriber. Good site. If you take out week one, Philly's 25th in DVOA. Okay. These are basically, these two teams are basically even. Lions lost to Baltimore by two, Mini by two, Rams by nine. Um, if they don't win this week, their four best chances left, home Chicago, at Denver, at Atlanta, at Seattle. They're close. You have a, you have a good feel for that Lions team. Like, they're not going 0-17, are they? I, no. I can't see it. No, and I thought they played, again, moral victories don't mean anything, and they lost by almost 10 points, but like, they played their asses off last week in, in a tough spot. And I thought golf played well. That interception is going to happen. It's what it is. I think I go down these rosters and I don't think the Eagles roster is all that much better than Detroit's roster right now. Well, and Sanders know. is out. Yeah. Sanders is out. They've had other injuries. Their their quarterback is has not looked outstanding. I know fantasy-wise, I get... I'm on a show and Kay Adams is great. She does the fantasy football and she's and she was talking about Hertz's numbers. She's having this amazing fantasy season. I like, is there ever a discrepancy of like actual quarterback play and then fantasy numbers and Jalen Hurts? Because you watch these games, it's like anytime he needs to complete a big pass, it, it's not happening. And they're down big early. I I don't know. Sirianni gave a quote this week about the flower. Did you see this whole thing? He was comparing his team to a flower and there's got to be seeds and roots and fertilizer. And I'm wondering, week eight, you start talking about flowers and seeds and roots and water. And I don't know where that team's going right now. I, I, I think is he, our, <laughs> is he our deer in the headlights leader through eight weeks on the sidelines it's, or is it Arthur Smith? Who would you go with? Well, Nick, Nick and Arthur both are like really good offensive minds. It's just how they verbalize and show themselves. It's like Sirianni's got four, four highlighters in his visor and stuff. And yeah. Like, what is going on? Jesus. Um, Wore the Iverson jersey early on in the season. Wore the beat Dallas thing early on in the season. I love the effort. I love it all. I don't know if that team's good enough and if that team is responding right now to what all that is. And something major happened. As you know, I'm, I, I have one of the only houses on Minshew Island. <laughs> do, 
Do you think the trade of Minshew shattered the confidence of everyone because they knew that Minshew was the guy and they're like, how we, why are we not starting our backup? They trade Flacco I saw that. to the Jets. Somehow get a sixth round pick for Flacco, the same price that Minshew costs. The road is now clear for my guy Minshew. Do you think he it's plays in there. this week? He's one away now. They, he wasn't suiting up for some of these games. No. So it was like, you couldn't even say, and I think the reason is because they were like, well, we don't want him kind of breathing on Hertz's neck. But now it's like, all right, he's right there. He's the backup. Yeah. And so I think if the Lions beat the Eagles, I think we see Minshew next week. Okay, but not this week. You don't think he goes in mid-game? I think we could. That's what worries me about Lions plus three and a half. Like, what if they're up 14-3 at halftime and it's like Minshew comes in and Minshew, once he comes in and he's firing balls around, I think the Eagles have good receivers. I, I enjoy their skill, guys. I would like they to do. see somebody who just flung it around with that team for a half. Has there ever uh, been a player like Minshew with you in the NFL? Like an irrational love for a guy that has been in the league, but like that's not on your team. It's not, you just, this guy's going to be good and he's going to have this great career and we're going to have to all be like, wow, Simmons was back in his, I don't Simmons even think he's, him when he was third string in Philly. <laughs> yeah, I don't even think it's a great career. I just think he can be competent. You know, it's like, I always like, kind of like Case Keenum. But he never did it. And then he went to Minnesota that one year and all of a sudden they figured out how to use it. Now he looked terrible in that Browns game 10 days ago or a week ago, whenever that was. But um, I just think Minshew can fling it around. Yeah. And, Hypothetical, because uh, you were you were pushing for the Patriots to go get him. Would you rather have Mac or, or Minshew? This hypothetical. Obviously long-term Mac. But what like are you talking season. about? Mac? No, this Mac. Season. Mac. Mac. Yeah. I, I'm, in, I'm all in on Mac. The question about? for me is like, Mac... If if Parsons had fallen to fifteen, yeah. can I give you, you one say, more hypothetical? Because San yeah. Francisco is like on fire right now, but what the hell's going on with their team? The whole market is. Um, they traded up and took Lance and gave up two future first round picks. What would the brutal. Niners? What would they be right now if they had Mac instead of Lance? It's brutal. It's the biggest what if of the season, right? If they just it took is. Mac, they, they would kept have had the him picks. At Twelve kept. Next year's first round pick and the following year's first round pick. Now they have Lance Garoppolo, who looks like a shell of himself, completely incapable of. They, it doing was reported much. this week they had the trade for Garoppolo. The Pats were going to give up a second, so if they took Mac at twelve, traded a second for, you know, got a second for Garoppolo, and then kept the two extra first, they'd have two firsts and a second and a better quarterback. Tough. Is it too Tough soon one. though? Like, is that one where it's like, let's give it a couple of years before we even weigh in? Because maybe I think it's Lance... too. I don't think it's too soon because I think that team has really good players and was kind of built to be successful this year and next year. And now they can't be. I think you're spot on. I think yeah. the expectation was we're winning. We've got a Super Bowl team from two years ago. If we're healthy, we're going back. Uh, Jimmy will get us there, and if he can't, we got this great backup, and no, neither guy can get on the field and do it. Listen, Sal and I had played the Shanahan game on Sunday. I know, I know you were hurt. Wade Michaels or what? Walt Michaels, I heard. Yeah, 31 and 39 through 70 games. Did Last he call, one. He called Shanahan a, a, a ringer employee because he came <laughs> on the podcast. That's funny. Last one, Bikes, plus one and a half against the Cowboys. This is probably a stay away. I think he can make the case for either team. Both of them, really good offenses. I think the one thing that worries me is uh, they did a good job, Solak and Sharp talking about this, about um, Minnesota great at blitzing. It's why their defense has succeeded against some of the teams they played this year. Dak, incredible against the Blitz. So 
I'm leaning toward Dallas in this game, but I also, as as I've said to you many times this season, I kind of like the Vikings. Yeah. And I think it's just a stay away. I'm, I would say stay away. Mike Zimmer and Mike McCarthy have coached against each other a million times. Uh, I Dallas is great. And I know Cowboys fans will say, how could you still not believe? It's not not believing. It's Minnesota has been in every single game. They've won their last two games. And we've had a thrill ride with Greg Joseph, their kicker. I would not like to ever have money on that guy ever again, either way, good or bad. So I'd say let's stay away from that one. All right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about underdog parlays, <laughs> including the FanDuel boost that is in play now. FanDuel teaming up with us now. They love the underdog parlays. Incredible. We'll come back right after this. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is brought to you by Honey Stinger. This is a show about sports and culture opinions. But right now I want to talk sports facts, the data, the stats. Honey Stinger, sports nutrition, trusted by more than 1,500 pro and college teams. That's right, 1,500. That's all 32 pro football teams. That's 39 pro basketball teams, 29 pro baseball teams, and more that prepare, perform, and recover with the delicious taste of Honey Stinger's energy waffles, chews, gels, and bars. Honey Stinger is the one team's trust. Use code Simmons for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. That is S-I-M-M-O-N-S for 20% off your first order at honeystinger.com. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. You're going to start wearing shorts. You're going to start wearing bathing suits. You're, just, you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside. Do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. All right, underdog parlays. We almost went three for three last week. We're all three bets would have won. Mm. One of them won for us, but we came very close and had a lot of fun doing it. Pats are plus 194 against the Chargers. So I, wa I want to include that. We discussed. I like that. Bears plus 162 against mm. the 49ers. I feel like it's a stay away. I'm just mentioning it. No, yeah, I'm going to stay away from Chicago. I don't know what the deal is with the coach who's calling the plays, who's playing, what the quarterback's mental stage is right now after last week. I, I'd stay away. That The visual of Justin Fields just bummed out on the bench really, really was a downer last week. Yeah, and we have, uh, me and Sal and House have Nagy as first coach fired, which is mm -hmm. somehow still available because Gruden resigned. And uh, this feels like if they lost this game, there would be a coaching change. So I'm going to stay away. I, I just want to monitor it. Saints plus 198 against the Bucks. We're staying away from that. Steelers plus 162 against the Browns. They're plus three and a half. Um, look, they could easily beat the Browns. Yeah, we have absolutely. to throw that. I, I, I'm not even going to do like football side. Look, we don't know yeah. what we're getting with the Steelers trick or treat. Ironically, this game's on Halloween. Oh, nice. Roethlisberger could throw five picks. I wouldn't be shocked. Miles Garrett could. quarterback? Yeah. Case. I think Baker's going to try. It's, it's Either way, it's going to be bad. Yeah. The Odell thing's a mess. Chubbs might play hurt. In Cleveland is the only thing that makes me a little, but whatever, it's fine. Steelers have owned that place before. I like the Steelers against the run. No? 
Yeah, their defense. We talked about it the last few weeks. They're still good. They're going to be in every game. Their defense is good. I would rather bet the plus 162 than the plus three and a half. I think that's just, oh, just better value. So we'll throw them in. And then uh, the Lions plus 162 against the Eagles. Why not? Let's do it. So we can either do mix and match with the three like we did last week or just do the Pats with the with the Steelers, which is plus 670, and the Pats with the Lions, which is plus 670. Unless you want to also do Steelers lines. <laughs> what are you thinking? Let's do all three. We have to avenge last week. I know it's 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 asking a lot to go for three upsets, but if Jason Myers, and that name should not be on the tip of my tongue, but five days later, I'm still losing sleep on the way the Seahawks lost that game. Cost us a huge underdog parlay. We have to get back in the saddle. We got to do all three. Let's do a combination of all three. Okay. Pat's um, Lions is plus 670. Pat Steelers was plus 670, but on FanDuel, they're going to boost this for us. The underdog parlay of the week, they're going to boost it. It's going to be at least eight to one. Okay. I'm going to give us eight to one. It might even be a tad higher if you go on FanDuel. Pat Steelers both to win. Eight to one odds. How do, do you not do it, that? Do they call it the Bill Simmons? They call it the parlay? Ringer, the Ringers underdog parlay of the week. <laughs> yes. We've made it. <laughs> We've made it. Good times. And then uh, Steelers Lions plus 586. So we're going to look at those three. All right. Uh, before we do the million dollar picks, what's your appetite for going big on Bengals minus 500. What do you want to do? What do you think? Do you want to really go for it? Why don't you just say this is the one time all year, but if we're we, just okay. going all in, this is maybe like a psychological thing about who I am as a person. I'm asking if we bet and we lose, we're in a hole and I'm, it's going to be a miserable, we're chasing our tail the rest of the year. Right? So the answer would be bucks, bills, Bengals minus one eleven. I think I feel the best about. I do. And I, I don't want the listeners or you to think I'm any less of a man. I just I, I just can't stomach the thought of last second Jets field goal and all of a sudden we're down $3 million. What do you think about Bengals betting them straight up, teasing it down a little bit to, uh, to minus nine and a half, putting minus 130 odds on that? With what? With, at what well, cost? No, I'm, so, I'm saying just like 260 to win 200K on the Bengals. I think they can win by 10 points. Yes. Okay. All right, so we'll add that. And did you want to um did you want to do Pats first half or Pats for the game with the plus four and a half? I would rather go, do Pats for the game. Let's go for the game. I think that's yeah, more fun. I respect Sharp's analysis. Okay. It's probably the smarter play, but we're having fun here. Yeah. Okay. All right, Kyle, turn the camera on. Million dollar picks. Week eight. We are up one point five six five million. For the season, licking our wounds yeah. after the Chiefs treated us rudely last week. Rudely. Chiefs, Chiefs and Seahawks, they might as well never, I just, I, they might not look at me again. I'm disgusted with both teams. Chiefs cost us almost 600000 <laughs> by just not showing up. And then the Seahawks kisser, kicker, Jason Myers, kisser and kicker. We know your name, he, Jason. Jason kissed away about six hundred k of underdog parlay money that we would have won last week too. So that... That hurt. He's kind of the reverse Greg Bishop, Greg Butler. What's his Greg name? Joseph, Greg Joseph. Greg Joseph. <laughs> Vikings kicker, yes. The Minnesota kicker. Greg uh, Bishop, I believe, is a sports writer. <laughs> great point. Sorry, Greg. Million dollar picks for week eight. Eight. We're putting $777,000 to win 700000 
minus 111 odds. Bucks will beat the Saints. Bills will beat the Dolphins. The Bengals will beat the Jets. Let's All go. three teams just have to win. That's it. Just got no major upsets and we're good. And we're, and we're back on the high life again. We've had trouble with the $200,000 bet, so I'm going to I'm gonna up it a tiny bit. We're going to do two. <laughs> We're going to bet more. <laughs> We're going to bet more. 200, or do you want to bet less? I think less would be the guidance I would give, but again, I'm conservative. You live on the wild side. Well, you're kind of you're kind of Rabbi Schrager sometimes with this stuff. <laughs> we're gonna do uh, <laughs> we're gonna do ah we'll keep it at two hundred. Maybe we turn around two hundred k on the Pats plus four and a half. Okay, against the Chargers, they absolutely have a chance to win. I think they can win. I think they could be four and four after this game, and I would be feeling good. We're also gonna do two hundred sixty thousand to win two hundred minus one thirty odds. The Bengals. Brought down a minus nine and a half to beat the Jets. They beat mm -hmm. the Jets by 10. We win. Love it. All right, underdog parlay. We're doing the same formula as last week. Three $33,000 parlays. First okay. one, Pats, Lions. Both have to win. Pats are at Los Angeles against the Chargers with 50,000 Boston fans. The Lions putting themselves on the map. First win of the year. Let's go. Against the Eagles. At home in Detroit. Come on. In what could be the last Eagles game before it's Minshew Mania in Philly, plus 670. We're grabbing that. We are also grabbing um, the Steelers-Lions. Mm -hmm. Steelers have to win in Cleveland. Lions in Philly, plus 586. And then a special little FanDuel boost for this one. Pat Steelers is plus 670. They're going to boost it. We're going to give ourselves eight to one odds on this. The boost, when they finally finalize it on Thursday night, might even be a tad higher than that, but it'll at wow. least be eight, eight to one. We give ourselves plus 800. So those are our three parlays. And those are the million dollar picks. What do you feel the best about out of those? I, I love, I love our Bengals nine and a half. I think that is a home run. And Bill, I feel like this week after I look at it all and it's been an, I don't think we're losing any of these. I feel tremendous about. We this haven't week. swept it yet. We had we, we had our great run week seventeen in the playoffs. We're sweeping bets left and right. We haven't had a sweep yet. I'm feeling it this week. The million dollar picks for week eight. Peter Schrager, pleasure as always. You're the man. Let's go. All right. Thanks to Kyle, man. Thanks to Peter Schrager. Thanks to nephew Kyle, Kyle Creighton, for producing this podcast. If you see him on Sunday at the Pats Chargers game, um, hug him buy him drinks, do whatever you need to do. He's a national treasure. I will see you on Sunday on this feed, breaking down week eight, Halloween, my favorite day of the year. See you then.